passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. It is Monday, May the 22nd, Canadian holiday. Hello, way. Hey, John. Happy Victoria Day. Same to you. Thanks. How did you celebrate? Today? Um, kind of stayed home for the most part. Had dinner with a friend. Then the fireworks go off and you're like, what the hell is that noise? And you remember, oh, yeah, it's a holiday today. Fireworks kind of went off all weekend, actually. Oh, were there? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were always sporadic in my area, but that was mm. it. It's like, yeah, it's a... It's a holiday. Let's let's blow some stuff up in the sky. Yeah, it's, they're fun occasionally, I guess. Occasionally, yeah. All right. Well, that's that was our big uh, holiday Monday. We hope you had a wonderful one as well. If you are uh, north of the border, and uh, to our American friends, next weekend is Memorial Day weekend. All right. So well, celebrate by watching a whole lot of professional wrestling this weekend. Have a good one in advance, everybody. Wade, did you get to see any of New Japan's resurgence on Sunday night at the Walter Pyramid? Yeah, I watched the six man, and and that probably was the least newsworthy thing coming out of the show. So I have yet to watch some of the other uh, incidents, but I did see the injury to mm-hmm. Mercedes Monet. Yeah, unfortunately, the biggest story coming out of a Sunday show, which I thought was a very lively crowd of the really hot crowd in in Long Beach, but a lot of the show was built around the. One night tournament with uh, Mercedes Monet and Willow Nightingale going to the finals. And Mercedes was on the top turnbuckle. And it looked to be as though she she was going for like a like a sunset flip or code red off the top and slips and just goes right down to the floor. And you can see she is not putting any weight onto her uh, onto her right foot as she is getting back. And they're sort of just going from spot to spot here. And Willow hits a doctor bomb and the referee is counting one, two. And it's that, that awful moment in a match where everything grinds to a halt. The referee, I mean, we know now that, I mean, this was not supposed to be the finish. So he's holding up and I felt bad for the ref here. It's like, you don't want to, you know, you're assuming one person is winning and you don't want to like screw something up if they're maybe just not kicking out for whatever reason. So the whole crowd just sort of latches onto this. They know there's a screw up and then they just go to another doctor bomb spot. This time Mercedes. Well, I mean, she stayed down the first time and this time the three count is registered and Willow Nightingale wins. And the, 
So we have not heard for certain what the exact injury is to Mercedes. If it's in fact a broken ankle or just, um, you know, or if it's something less, but obviously that was the body part that was affected. And since then, I mean, has been noted that Mercedes was supposed to win this match and the audible was called due to the injury. And this is the update that we got from Mercedes, just a posting uh, from a hospital bed, but not getting uh, specific about injury or a time that this could uh, mean for her. Obviously, if the title was going to be going on to her, they had follow up plans with her as well. But I also don't want this to take away from the moment that was Willow Nightingale winning this match because she is caught in the middle of this whole thing and she just sold this as like this unbelievable win. And I don't think it was her like putting on any kind of a dramatic performance here. I mean, she was in the moment of what has just happened and just smiling. She had this great speech. Um, I I thought like, Ian Riccoboni, who did not know the finish of the match, uh, regardless, is calling this. And he had this excellent call. Veda Scott is getting choked up. Like, they're reacting to this. Um, it was, like, a really cool moment, but under the unfortunate circumstances of a real injury that Mercedes sustained. Totally, yeah. Um, I feel like so often in pro wrestling, you know, if these injuries happen, typically they they just especially if there's a title at stake they just do whatever they can to have the injured person try to finish the match in this case i think we should commend whoever's decision it was to go to i think the the right finish and that's to have the you know person who wasn't supposed to win win but isn't injured to to, to just end the match basically um and uh i i don't know if they could have found a better person in the other spot than a willow like somebody who i think a lot of us who watch AEW and probably roh want to see want to have you know see in in a bigger role um she was not planned to be in a bigger role but now she is and i really think almost like by by force she is going to get this by force she's going to get pushed but again like again she she is somebody who everybody wants to see in a position like this anyway so really unfortunate what happened but really they they found a great option um to go to in the other in the ring yeah again like it's an unfortunate set of circumstances but you've been handed this incredible scenario and Mm -hmm. have a chance to obviously when mercedes is healthy this is an easy rematch that means so much more yeah and at this point like this is this is not the worst outcome if you are new japan in the sense of moving this title forward and having an opponent for mercedes and Obviously, you just look at Mercedes and, you know, if if it is, in fact, uh, a broken ankle like that, that's going to set her back um, mm-hmm. uh, at, at that point. So hoping that we we get an update and maybe it is uh, not as bad as feared. But uh, again, she has not disclosed the uh, the severity of the injury, but certainly was was concerning when you were watching it. And the fact that it was, you know, she cannot put any weight on, on it. And then as Willow is celebrating, yeah, you just see she is carried to the back and they did not put the camera on her. They were trying to just uh, divert attention from the injury and just focusing on Willow as the show ended. But um, yeah, but but this audience, I mean, they treated this as like the the ultimate upset of Willow winning this, which I don't think anyone was expecting going into this show and going into that final match of the night, which for those that missed it, this did close the show. This had to follow Tanahashi and Will Ospreay, which was a pretty excellent match. The first women's main event in New Japan, or at least like in, yeah. in, in the, like, is it ever? It must, must be, right? 
Yeah, because they did not uh, San Jose. They did not close with uh, with, with with Mercedes. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the case of these sort of interpromotional things, I, I, you know, I'm guessing Lolo sort of has that sort of, um, I mean, um, ability to work New Japan, New Japan strong whenever she wants. But I would imagine she would be booked for other commitments, uh, you know, with ROH or AEW as well. So how how do the how do the pieces kind of fall in place with with everybody organizing everything? What plans that they have for Mercedes Monet going forward that they now have to scrap? Yeah, I mean it's 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 a worthwhile question. I mean, if they were going to set her up for, I mean, it's it's interesting this whole creation of the title uh, in conjunction with the IWGP Women's Championship that we were led to believe was going to be a title that that would be defended over here in the U.S. And now with the addition of this title, like this feels more like the U.S. based title and the IWGP Women's title as more of your your Japanese title. So. I mean, I don't know if this would have been setting up Mercedes to go over there for Dominion in a in a couple of weeks. Um, it seems like it is like this title is going to be more so for your strong shows over here, right? And maybe any any thought at this point about Forbidden Door and whether or not this championship was supposed to through either Mercedes or will it get uh, any sort of a you know appearance right now with Willow? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I would say, like obviously, it's. It would seem much easier to get Willow on that show uh, for, for a variety of reasons at, at this juncture. Uh, yeah, I think it opens the door. Most of all, for Willow Nightingale, I think that this kind of forces the hand of whether you had her slotted for something significant. Now you've sort of been willed into a way where you have to at least give some short-term run. And if they're smart, listen to that audience. And like she was the the sentimental favorite, even though like the big underdog and mm-hmm overcoming this like you have a a story to tell there and i think you you run with this it's unfortunate but there's a silver lining to this it was not all bad news coming out of of sunday so that was the i, I guess the biggest news story on there as i mentioned will osprey beat tanahashi very strong match that the two had and that sets up osprey and lance archer at dominion the winner of that will get a u.s title shot against kenny omega at a date to be determined. They have not stated for certain if that will be Forbidden Door. That's what people are expecting. And I think going into this most expecting that Will Ospreay uh, wins this match. Lance Archer will be uh, the underdog like Willow Nightingale in that match. Although, I mean, uh, what do we know of Will Ospreay's uh, shoulder right now? Could could Lance Archer find himself in uh, a weird situation? Maybe. Yeah, I... I don't know if Lance Archer facing uh, Kenny Omega would be as uh, satisfying for people beyond a television match. No, of course not. But um, I um, I hope um, Will's in good shape. I mean, he's he potentially has quite the you know significant amount of matches coming up. Dude, he's he's going to be expected for the G one this summer. He's got Shingo Shingo uh, at the Rev Pro show at the end of August. Mm-hmm. God knows how many other big matches he's going to be having before the end of the year uh yeah there's there's going to be a lot of demand on his body this year kenta regained the strong open weight title after hikuleo held it for a cup of coffee and then was issued a challenge by eddie kingston so that match will be uh will be coming up uh, down the road and they also announced new Japan's strong cards in core q and hall for july 4th and 5th which eddie kingston will be part of those shows they announced other news on the show was Mark Davis coming out stated, or sorry, it was Kyle Fletcher that came out stating that Mark Davis is injured. And therefore with their title matches coming up, 
Uh, they have to vacate both the IWGP and Strong Tag Team Championships. They were supposed to have that triple threat at Dominion. So those titles are vacant and will be decided by Goto and Yoshihashi taking on Evil and Yujiro. I can only hope that Yujiro and Evil come out of this as your IWGP Tag Champions. And that's our match with FTR. It's, um, I guess it's possible, but um Bad news for Aussie Open. You know, they've been really on quite the run. Um, but And this they, did not, based on Fletcher's wording, was we're not going to be gone for as long as, it's something to the effect that we won't be gone as long as you think. It sounds like this is not a massive injury. It's just the New Japan style of you have a title defense, and if you can't make that defense, you're stripped of the titles unless you're under a WWE contract and we have a date on you. Mm-hmm, right but you know they, they've gained I, I think a whole lot of traction throughout the, this better part of the past year and um, sometimes time away is good for making people miss you and they could build to a big comeback yeah so I haven't seen the whole show but I, I saw about half of it and it was a great great sounding crowd like sometimes we talk about these shows that they're just not mic'd properly and then you hear from people live that says, you know the crowd was really hot but it did not come across this was not the case for this show it sounded really loud and it was it was three thousand people and you know the, the walter pyramid it's like it, it it's not visually the most uh pleasing uh arena but i i thought like the crowd heat it worked and i thought the commentary team alex kozlov was there as well with Beta Scott and Ian Riccoboni, the three of them did a very good job on this show. AEW Collision ticket sales. And, and just to note, uh, Bruce Lord and Karen Peterson right now at the Post right. Wrestling Cafe have a resurgence review. Uh, so do go check those two out on postwrestlingcafe.com. Yes, that's up for all cafe members. A 90-minute review with Bruce and Karen going through uh, all of the action from Sunday. And uh, Tuesday is the uh, the Hanukkah Memorial Show, and Karen Peterson will be doing a report for that on the site. So if you want to uh, look that up, it's been uh, three years since uh, Hanukkah died tragically. So that show is happening on Tuesday in Japan. Last week, AEW put on uh, put tickets on sale for three of their upcoming collision dates, and the early indicators not pretty. So the first week, we don't know yet because uh, To Be Determined is the location for the first collision. June 24th in Toronto, currently 1,600 tickets out. These numbers courtesy of WrestleTix. Uh, the following uh, Thursday, this, is, this would be their second night in Hamilton, 600 tickets distributed so far in Hamilton. And then Newark uh, for July 22nd, which is another big arena, uh, they have about uh, just under 3,500 tickets are out, which, you know, for your Northeast market, I mean, it's not not a great figure this early. Now, these numbers, if they announce Punk on Wednesday, I would imagine this would floor the, uh, accelerate the demand for these shows. Uh, mm-hmm. But those are some bad numbers. Like I was talking about Toronto that I was thinking the night before on the Saturday that, you know, this is, it's worth running on the Saturday night. Maybe they get their, you know, 7,000 or so. They are very far from 7,000. And it tells me, way that a CM Punkless collision, it's not lighting fans' world on fire in terms of just the initial demand that we can actually attach uh, a numerical value to when it comes to ticket demand for this new series. Yeah. I suppose there's really been no proof that collision is any more significant than an addition of Rampage, you know, uh, or, or really anything else. Um, and I think it really does show that the lack of announcement of a CM Punk on the same day as you're announcing these other, other dates has really taken an impact on all of these other dates. And just the idea of anything being special about, you know, a Saturday show coming to your town beyond 
I mean, in markets that are, um, I mean, Hamilton, they're already doing a dynamite. Um, the Calgary show, I guess they've already sold, right? That's already been. Yeah, Calgary and Regina had already been on sale for a few weeks as house rules events, which are just converted now into, uh, you know, they've, they're over, I think Calgary is around uh, 2,500 or so. I'd have to look that up. And Regina is around 1,200 or so. You know, you're talking about a Toronto Hamilton area that at this point will have how many shows, you know, between uh, Collision to Forbidden Door to Dynamite in Hamilton and now another Collision. That's four shows in the same week. And I'm guessing the people in this area have their fill unless they unless they get their fill in uh, Brooklyn, oh, I mean. Wow. So that, that really steal that for a, <laughs> uh, a news story this week. If I need a headline, it, it, you know, unless they really make him the, sort of the appeal of, of going to a collision, there's really not much reason for most people to attend. Yeah. We'll find out on Wednesday for sure. What the plan is for that first week. I, I wrote about it a bit today. If they do not have uh, punk, like they need to, like, maybe this is, like you look out there, it's not as though there's this long list of free agents that you could bring in and just spike things. And it would be a very costly one, but I would honestly be looking at like a Bill Goldberg option just to get you through a month or two to start this off. Like, what would your answer be? Well, he, but he wouldn't be working all, all these dates. No, yeah. but if you would be able to, you sign him to a three month deal and you get maybe one match on TV and you get him to all in, um, like, honestly, you you need some ideas. You need some ideas beyond just this roster because this show getting off to a terrible start and establishing it out of the gate as not important, they really can't afford that. I no. think it's – you need – and again, maybe Wednesday night we're talking and all is, is mended. I, I It would very much – I would be surprised if they – Wednesday comes and goes and there, there's no punk here. Um, I, I think like there's just too much on both sides not to find an amicable working agreement for a lot of reasons. But you, you've, it's very hard to predict this as we have been doing for the last uh, nine months. And it does yeah. make you think like, what are they going to do uh, beyond just mixing the rosters together? Like, is that going to be enough? Well, yeah, I, I would think mixing the mos- rosters would sort of be, you know, may- and maybe making a Danielson a focal point. That that might be an option at that. I would have suggested a Mercedes Monet, but now that unfortunately has been taken off the table as well. Um, Goldberg, I feel like would be a bit a bit of a long shot, but crazier things have happened. He what, what are they marketing this collision around? Like it's very much like nitro nostalgia, and uh, in terms of someone that could come in, and again, this is not a long term play. We're not looking at a year of Goldberg. We're looking at just getting this show off the ground and you present a Goldberg squash on TV in week three, and maybe you get him to the pay-per-view or like all in at the end of the summer. And that's when, you know, he wraps up, but you just, you want something that is must see. And what do they have at the moment that is must see? Because these early ticket sales tell you, this is like the current roster and launching another two hour show. This is the interest in these markets. And and I think you can extrapolate a bit of this to what people will temper their expectations with, like with numbers for television when collision when collision debuts, if it's just no CM Punk and it's another two hours of AEW programming. We know it's great wrestling, but you need something that's above and beyond what the norm is. And the norm is fantastic wrestling every single week. Well, right. Do they have to go to a personality, though? I mean, can they not try to, you know, create something that's musty? Um, using their their own stories, their own rosters, their own match types. Do we have to go to the well of finding you know? I, I'm all ears for those ideas. Like what? Like what are those no, ideas? Not my job, John. I'm I'm just here to pick shit apart. 
I mean, it's um, well, we will see on Wednesday for for sure. But uh, it will certainly be a feather in Punk's cap if he is announced on on Wednesday and like the United Center. Like, how many tickets? Like, we're going to see what has the impact of all these months of bad headlines or just uh, dissenting views about CM Punk. What impact, if any, has it had on his drawing ability? I think um, it's only made him a bigger star, unfortunately. And, and if that's the case, he's going to look really good um, a week from now if all these tickets, if tickets start moving with his announcement, which I would imagine a very healthy advance for the United Center. This is certainly one where you, I think, have to announce Punk. There is no like beating around the bush. It is Punk speaks on the very first collision with a live mic. And that is your draw for Chicago is Punk returns to AEW television. Well, clearly that was the intent a week the ago. whole yes and at this point i i don't really see them changing um course if they do have him so hey wednesday this is a huge edition of dynamite right a huge edition where the tony khan announcement will be front and center on that show and maybe they will be discussing the new aew fight forever game that now has its official release date of june 29th it will be out on uh, multiple systems and Kenny Omega put out, uh, well, there was a video released on, on behalf of uh, AEW Ukes. And yeah, this uh, way, will you be sampling this game? Do you have any ability to sample this game when it comes out? Unfortunately, I do not. I, uh, the, the, the newest system I have is a PS3. So oh, I you're not going to upgrade for this. I don't think so. Um, but it does seem to be on a lot of consoles, including PS4 uh xbox one the the prior generation i believe so um i'm i'll be following maybe on twitch to see what the gameplay looks like more importantly i'll be seeing what the reception is um because this is a game that has been long um delayed i would say um and there are a lot of expectations on what they have been doing throughout this entire time there have been a lot June of 29th is going to be a glorious day on on twitter because oh dude as i have seen with like these wwe 2k releases i mean yeah. this is going to be the most scrutinized game in history and people are going to be just having absurd yeah. takes i am sure on this game but this it's, it's very important for aew like this was you know an, an enormous uh investment, investment for yeah. the for the company and they've got over a month to do the heavy promotion and i'm very curious to see how effective their promotional campaign is over these next four or five weeks i mean thus far all we've really seen is is some graphics and i would say that that hasn't really been met with too much um positivity because especially in comparison to to the 2k games which look a lot better uh but gameplay is is going to be i think the ultimate uh determinant of whether or not this is a game worth getting for a lot of wrestling fans so well let's see what the reviews are and i mean how much is a cm punk involved in promotion Right? Like he was on the cover of the game and is not anymore. Mm -hmm. Some other injury news. This is coming out of the best of the Super Juniors. And uh, Taiji Ishimori is out for his remaining round robin match. He suffered a cervical vertebrae injury on Sunday's match with Hiromu Takahashi. And ended up, um, they just waved off the match. Like he, uh, he went down and the referee came to check on him and just waved it off. They did not, they did not just try to get to the finish. And I give them a lot of credit because I've certainly been uh, negative on New Japan when we've seen instances where um, guys should have been, like not continued in a match. And this is in a tournament where the points are very meticulous and plotted out. And I don't know if this had any impact on any of that. Didn't really matter. 
And so Ishimori lost that match to Hiromu, and then he's out of his match with TJP that was supposed to take place on Tuesday. So uh, hoping they noted that, you know, he's got mobility, but not certain how long he'll be out of action. So we have the final round robin matches. The A block will finish up on Tuesday and the B block on Wednesday. And the way it works, the top two point getters in each block advance to Friday's semifinal. So first place of the A block takes on second place of B block and vice versa on Friday. So Tuesday has, we, we are basically down to Hiromu Takahashi, Leo Rush, and Speedball Mike Bailey. They're all tied with 12 points. Hiromu has lost to both of them. So uh, Hiromu takes on Teton, who you can make uh, some mathematical way that he is alive, but is basically going to be out. So I imagine Hiromu wins this match, which would put him to 14. And then you have Leo Rush against Speedball, where the winner of that would also advance with Hiromu to the semifinals. And then you have non-important matches with Doki, who's had a very excellent tournament with show and Kushida against Ryusuke Taguchi. Taguchi is 0-8, so he is looking for his one win in the best of the Super Juniors. Wednesday, um, it is down to Yo, El Desperado, and Master Wato with 12 points, and Robbie Eagles has 10, and they all have individual matches. So look for a bunch of spoilers on Wednesday's show, and then we'll see who the top two point getters are in that one. Yo does have wins over Desperado and Wato. I would be very surprised if Desperado does not advance. And if you do want to go back and catch any matches, Sunday's main event between El Desperado and Francesco Akira was, I thought, one of the better matches of the year and certainly the best singles match I have ever seen from Francesco Akira. It was 25 minutes. Desperado destroyed Akira's knee. And this was some of the best selling I've ever seen from Akira. And you had TJP in Akira's corner who is on the apron with the towel and he's going to throw it. And Desperado likes takes the towel and he won't let him throw it in. And so he's just working on him with numero dos and Akira just won't give up. And then finally, on like the third attempt, he submits. This was such a great main event, a real establishing match with Akira in the main event position and going 25 minutes here at a Corcune Hall. So that would be my match recommendation to go back and check out. So that is the, the latest on the uh, Super Juniors front. And our final news are the ratings from Friday. SmackDown was down one whole percent at 2,133,000 viewers and down 6% in the demo, number one among network programs, and was, I believe, fourth on television behind the, uh, the, NHL, uh, the NBA and NHL. So they were down from last week, but up from two weeks ago for that show in Puerto Rico. But they had significantly um, stronger sports competition the nba game with the heat and the celtics was up 13 percent from last week's game while the nhl game was up 26 percent this week so when you take into account those numbers um smackdown being close to even is what you would would i guess hope for and we're getting down the stretch now uh with the nba playoffs as they will be uh entering the finals in the uh, coming week Rampage on Friday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time did 293,000 viewers, 0.09 in the demo. This is coming off their lowest watched Rampage ever. So they were up 3% from rock bottom. So I guess that, that is something to celebrate. And uh, we're up from a 0.07 to a 0.09 in the demo. Uh, a, lot, a lot of big gains across because last week's numbers were so low, although they did drop with a 50 plus. And for your scorecard, Rampage will air late Saturday night this weekend, 
after the NBA coverage on TNT, followed by the countdown special. So that will be very late Saturday. And as of now, as of TNT's schedule, they will return to Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern on Friday, June 2nd, pending any changes. So Hmm. it will be their return from uh, early April back to their time slot after this. This has been bounced around more than any basketballs on this network. Yeah, at this point, I don't know if a regular time slot is even a thing yeah, now for the show. You're right. This is like, going to be the anomaly. This it, feels more unusual than 6.30 on a, I don't know, Saturday. The unfortunate part is when I watched Rampage this weekend, it was a really good show. Like they had a Blackpool Combat Club six-man, Dustin Rhodes. He does like his three big singles matches every year, and they always feel special. They're always, you know, heated, and this uh, – you know, Bishop Khan, like this was one of the better matches I've seen this guy in, especially in a in a single setting. And you also had, yes, the, the Hardys as well, setting up the uh, the contract stipulation with Ethan Page for uh, the pay-per-view. And they destroyed uh, Brother Zay's neck. They put a chair around mm-hmm. his throat and stomped it. So that that's going to be at least a few days to recover from a, a crushed throat. You will not no longer be able to moan. That's tragedy. Yeah, the moan event is... Uh, Mm. silent there you have it all of your news can be found at postwrestling.com and we had several shows up over the past weekend the nwa podcast is available for everyone three hours with nate andrew and chris from la going through many of the major news stories happening in professional wrestling we also have wrestlenomics radio with brandon chris and jesse collings discussing uh the the announcement of collision last week and what can be expected, the CM Punk saga, as well as uh, the gates in Puerto Rico for WWE, many other topics covered on WrestleNomics. And this week, it is going to be a packed one at Post Wrestling. We will have how many post shows coming up later this week? We will have shows immediately after Dynamite, after SmackDown, after Night of Champions, and after Double or Nothing on Sunday night. There's a lot. Yeah, it's a very busy week in professional wrestling. We'll be around here to uh, review all of it. And uh, yeah, uh, I'll also we'll also be back, you and I, John, on Thursday with the Ask Away mailbag for Post Wrestling Cafe patrons. So do uh, leave your feedback right now at form.postwrestling.com. Uh, also, tomorrow, I will be back for a special Tuesday edition of The Wellness Policy with Jordan Goodman and Neil Flanagan. We will be speaking to Chris Duke, who is a, an author of Lucy's Blue Day, which is a book uh, centered around children's mental health. So we'll be speaking to him about, about that. Uh, look for the link, Post Wrestling Cafe patrons. Uh, we will be going live at 3 p.m. Eastern Tuesday. All right. Plenty of uh, great stuff this week. And uh, the Ask Away Mailbag Show will be out on Thursday. So if you want to get your questions in, go to forum.postwrestling.com. Get your questions in by Thursday, and we will go through as many as we can. So postwrestlingcafe.com and video.postwrestling.com to see our beautiful faces many times over the next seven days. Tonight, there were 8,900 beautiful faces packing the Giant Center in Hershey, Pennsylvania. This was a raw that's actually been sold out for a few weeks. So um they were excited here in hershey to i can't wait to hear how many heels will insult our little city as we got we had Heyman, we had trish we had uh, god i think there was a third one in there somewhere they went they went after hershey and I, I i'm sure it's a lovely place i've never been never been this was also airing against uh, game four of the Lakers against the Denver Nuggets, as well as the uh, the Dallas Stars series with uh, Carolina. So that was the sports competition tonight. We cut to 
earlier in the day, and Lesnar. Uh, they're out. Oh, the Lakers. Lakers are gone. They got swept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, sure, I mean, from I'm a, sure a lot of uh, wrestling companies are happy about that. That was your your biggest team that was left. So yeah, having the LA team out is uh, probably a a good sign for uh, the NBA Finals. We will see. Are you are you going with Denver all the way now? Sure, why not? You were telling me you're just uh, you're like this is their year. Yeah, uh, I told you. Yeah. Lesnar jumps Cody Rhodes as he's entering the building and just destroys Cody, throws him into a garage door, and then takes a keg, a giant keg, and breaks it. Well, apparently breaks Cody's arm with with this keg. As Cody Graves notes, Corey Graves notes, Lesnar in a sanguinous mood tonight. Did he strike you as sanguinous tonight? <laughs> um. I, I the, the, would not um, sanguine would not be the 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 name I I'd, I'd associate with Brock Lesnar. But what does that even mean? I don't know. I, I worked with a guy once. Uh, his name was Brad. He was always in a sanguinous mood. His last name was Sanguine. So yes. Thank you. So that's Cody. And this I actually liked all the Cody stuff throughout the the show. And this would be told throughout the show with the idea that maybe he's not going to go to Saudi Arabia because of this uh, broken arm. I think Brock is just always fantastic. You know, when you rely on uh, any sort of like intense physicality using crazy objects and the way he was able to put this cake into this man's arm um, looked really legitimate the way that they did it. You know, the moment he grabbed that keg, you heard people in the background gasp and uh, it, it resulted in uh, like a really strong show long angle. Um, it looked good. good. It, it you know, we put Cody in like here is the uh the valiant baby face that is not going to step away from this match. And obviously, like this is playing like the same story of Hell in a Cell, like a worked version of last year's, you know, very memorable match with Cody Rhodes, where it's the idea of him going into this match and working a broken arm in this match, which I think adds to this match, and especially with the Kimura, which they would um focus on later as well but um mm-hmm. I, I thought a good angle and a show long story that i think pro wrestling in general needs more you know stories that are woven throughout the body of the show instead of just contained to their segment and this was an example of it paul Heyman's back things went so well last week that he was invited back to raw i don't think he even needed a visitor pass this week did he maybe not not this mm-hmm. week did Shotzi get a visitor pass is she she's SmackDown? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, um, yeah, I had no idea, dude. And and that probably... this is the serious brand split. Okay, this yeah, is where I they're think, serious. So what do we clock it in at? Like three, two weeks, three weeks for this brand split to basically be completely forgotten about. I mean, Heyman has been on. He was. Well, on he did have. They at least went to the effort of giving him a pass. I mean, Shotzi had nothing. Okay. So. Give me a sticker on her knee or something. You know so you could says. do all interpromotional matches. You just have to get the passes. Well, yes, of course. Yes. Heyman says he had nothing to do with that attack on Cody and works in a plug for Night of Champions, including the start time, and calls Hershey a hellhole. And they are billing Night of Champions as three main events. When half the card is main events, are they all main <laughs> events? Like, let's, let's just say like eight main events. Sure. They're all equal. And said that Saturday will be capped off by the tag title match. So I don't know if that's our indication that they're going on last, but I think that's what people are assuming. And the Usos can watch the match from home. Owens and Zayn interrupt 
And then Heyman disappears into thin air during this entrance to the point that Zayn even jokes, where did Paul go? We never saw him again. This was his whole purpose on this show was to come out and call Hershey a hellhole and say that there's three main events. Was this, was this necessary to have Paul here tonight? I wouldn't say so. Um, he had no interaction with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Really, None. like this could have served, like this would have been served with a video or really a graphic. So, makes you wonder. Makes you wonder if the, him being here was always, um, if the, doing this was always the plan. There were certainly like um, moments on the show that made you wonder if things might have gotten changed last minute. What are you saying, Way? Nothing. I'm sure this was locked in for weeks. Yeah, sure. Zane has nothing left to say, which is a familiar pattern from Zane and Owens. They're tired of talking, but for once, Owens actually does have something he wants to say and said that Reigns is dedicating their win to the wild Samoans. So he's dedicating their win to the true pillars of the bloodline, Jimmy and Jay Uso. I like this. This is a nice uh, sure. mind game. Continue to put the Usos in between them. And then Imperium come out surrounding the ring and Matt Riddle runs down to even out the numbers. So our big mystery partner was the obvious partner, Matt Riddle. Right. Watching it's, this show. I, I don't, I don't think like, they tease this as a mystery. This was on the graphic. Yes, they did. Well, last week, but this was on the graphic before the show. Well, was this afternoon, the graphic was still the mystery man. Oh, okay. And um, anyway, <laughs> watching this show, I guess like Riddle, they are obviously pushing at a significantly higher level. But for this one week, I think Ali could have really benefited from being in this uh, pairing, given the connection with Gunther on Saturday. Like, why, why are you doing this match if not to push it? Sure. Yeah. Um well, my answer for that would be because they don't think Ali has any sort of, you know, a significant story beyond this weekend. Okay. Saxton asks Adam Pierce about Cody. He's got no information. And there's a rumor he might have a broken arm. Ricochet against Bronson Reed. Reed cuts a promo that he should have been the one facing Gunther, but Ricochet cost him the win in the Battle Royal. The two had a nice match, nine and a half minutes after Reed is dominating, Ricochet comes back with super kicks, a spin kick to the head, and a standing shooting star. Reed comes off the apron and is met with a flying knee in midair. And then Ricochet is knocked off balance during a springboard attempt, avalanche, power slam, and tsunami in nine minutes and 35 seconds. As uh, Bronson Reed pins Ricochet in two individuals that are not scheduled for Night of Champions. No. Is, is this Bronson Roman tag team even a thing anymore? Or did they quietly dissolve that um they, they haven't dissolved it but so there was no Braun on the show so right. i don't know what was up with Braun. um yeah I, I think this was a good showcase for reed you know both these guys have really spectacular looking offense in very different ways but i thought both of them looked impressive um but the project is reed he's the guy who's uh, getting the wins he's the guy who you know um they're really pushing especially the tsunami his moves look powerful they're Ricochet keeping him in a level where like that's a great first or second opponent for Seth Rollins. Like those two could have a fantastic um, pay-per-view match at some point. And you're going to need to just be stacking up the heels for Rollins because th they are very low on heels on this show, but you have a Bronson, you have, you know, the Imperium guys, mainly Gunther. And then I guess Drew, if he comes back and you flip him as well. So there's plenty mm -hmm. of options out there. And I think Reed would be one of those early opponents to just establish this belt. And you could, you could, 
surely do one pay-per-view cycle with Rollins and Reed. Mm. Kathy Kelly interviews Apollo Crews, and he wishes Cody well, and he's so excited to be here. But he gets cut off by Dominic and Rhea Ripley. Dominic doesn't know who Apollo is. He doesn't watch NXT. And ends the interview because it's Ripley's time to speak, and she issues a challenge to Natalia for Night of Champions, and she's going to end Natalia's career. Crews says, excuse me, this is my time. And Dom says, what are you going to do about it? And Ripley ends up setting a match up as Dominic is hiding behind her. And that would be our match for later on as Apollo. Apollo should have seen this coming. Yeah, I, I, I guess like the, the the draft made him lose his powers. He's just a regular guy on Raw. That's sort of the gimmick, too. I'm a normal, everyday guy. Right. No superpowers. I don't even go to the local uh, breakfast spot to have my coffee. Mm-hmm. And uh, no Natalia on the show, but this was basically making the match official. Corey Graves, this was a continuation of our sit-down interview with Seth Rollins, who was off the show again as he was... Uh, do, do we know more about the, the character he is playing, Way? Can you tell me anything about this uh, role he has in uh, Captain America? I, I don't know much, other than oh, okay. I think he's a member of the Serpent Society. So I don't know much about it beyond that. Corey Graves... Asks him about Roman Reigns, and Seth gets all serious. I love Roman Reigns, but I don't like him. That's brotherhood. If I had a dollar for every time Wade said this about me. He said that he was always there for him, but the person that Roman's become, I have no respect for. He's poisoned by his own ego, and he's taking opportunities away from everyone. And that's as selfish as you can be. And I I love that the idea is this guy doesn't work. And we're we're booking this guy to win more titles. Like the whole concept of this is he's he's suffocated these world titles. So now we're going to give him more belts. Like what, right. what's going to happen? Are we going to make like tag belts now uh, after Roman wins these and he won't defend them? Well, that's the threat, right? Anyway, he says that uh, he wants to become champion so we can forget about Roman Reigns. And he puts over AJ Styles, and there we get, I'm sure out of Michael Cole's collection, an NWA No Limits Wrestling show from April of 2006, where AJ put over Seth Rollins on the microphone when Rollins was 19 years old. And this uh, this is aired before on on the network, but uh, there we have it. Quite the use of video clips on the show to build up this Rollins and AJ match. Yeah, I find this somewhat unusual for WWE. I don't think it's often that they refer to the history outside of their own universe. And other promotions do this all the time. So it was really nice to see WWE start. Yeah, I I prefer the idea that these guys just fell from the sky in WWE. And there was no pre-existing history uh, Mm -hmm. until they were like 27. FCW is about as far as we get. That's it. That's their origin. Damian Priest and uh, Shinsuke Nakamura got into an argument on Raw Talk, and Nakamura made fun of him losing to Bad Bunny. So that means a match with Finn Balor this week. And Saxon catches up with Balor and Priest. Priest gets upset at Saxton and says that Nakamura disrespected Priest and therefore disrespected all the Judgment Day members. So Balor's going to beat the hell out of Nakamura and leave a bit of him for Damian Priest. But before that, it is Candice LeRae against Zoe Stark. And we got a nice video package for Zoe Stark as she is training and says she is going to tear down all of your favorite wrestlers and expose their weaknesses. The time for heroes is over. 
the Zoe Stark era begins. Mm-hmm. I thought this was very good. And I I liked Zoe Stark in, in this match as well. It's very short with uh, Candice. And half of it was focusing on Nikki Cross, who ran down to cheer on Candice. And as LeRae is fighting back, uh, she hits a uh, reverse cross body to the floor. And then Cross is jumping up and down with Candice. And this momentarily distracts Candice as Stark nails both of them, rolls Candice in and hits the Z360 and wins the match in two minutes and 27 seconds. A a good performance here for Zoe Stark. More importantly, I think she should be getting a visitor's pass because this is a great opponent for Bianca Belair on the other show. Okay. Instead of Rhea, because she won't have much to do, you're saying. I mean, I just I I see this very much being this heel character of with Zoe Stark. It seems like an odd fit with Rhea Ripley. A lot I mean, of people feel like a odd fit at the moment with Rhea Ripley. Uh, I would imagine she she won't necessarily be in title contention, or at least they don't intend for her to be in, in title contention for a while. And it's not like you just need one heel; you need a secondary heel for you know to build your other baby faces, right? So, I mean, she basically beat your uh, your contender here in Candice LeRae. This should open you up for a title shot, shouldn't? it? I guess so. Sure. Maybe a tag title shot then, you know, I, I, I don't know if the rankings are that steep on the raw side or SmackDown for that matter. Yeah. Uh, this is a very quick match. I, I, I kind of was hoping that they would have a bit more time to build something, but you know, maybe at this point it's just about establishing who this person is and what her identity is. The video just, you know, kind of showed you, Hey, like she's a bit of a bully. She re- works out really hard and uh, she's going to take out all of our heroes. So, another slick looking video package that I felt was very much carried over from like an NXT sort of production on the NXT front. Um, no follow-up with JD McDonough this week. Yeah. Like he was a big focus of last week and the tease with the judgment. What Day. about, what about Xavier Woods and the whole thing he was building with Dominic? Um, yeah. Xavier Woods, they, maybe some guys just like fell into the ether this week. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes you wonder. Makes you wonder. Then WWE, they got to promote number one at the box office this weekend, Fast X, starring John Cena as Jacob Toretto. Number two at the box office, Guardians of the Galaxy, a one-man gauntlet set out by Dave Bautista. These two two men, WWE is carrying Hollywood at the box office. Yeah, they made them these. It was just these two. Mm -hmm. Sure. In the past, they didn't even celebrate these things. You know, Sasha Banks has been on The Mandalorian, and for whatever reason, I mean, now I get why they wouldn't uh, celebrate the latest one, but they they certainly made no mention. But these are significant mainstream. The Rock, they would usually make a mention of, but yeah, it was very rare that they would shine a light on um, stuff like this. Sure. Yeah. What did uh, What was your grade for Fast X way? An X out of X. Had a great time. Was it um, better than the ninth? Yeah, a whole lot. Didn't you think so? Uh, it was significantly better. Than, Maybe because my expectations were so much lowered because of nine. I had such a good time at 10. But listen, you can't. It's like watching a fast movie is very much like watching, I would say, like um, like a like a DDT wrestling match um, or, or like a wrestling match at spring break where you're not grading it based off of a five-star system looking for perfect moves and perfect logic everywhere. You're just looking for a spectacle. You're looking for a great time and you get that if you were able to accept it. Yeah. I mean, it, to me, it's reinforced my, my faith that um, 
whatever natural disasters occur, man-made disasters occur, if you've got the right vehicle, you can escape any any modern uh, catastrophe. All you need is Nas and family. Nas and family. We got we got a Nas reference later on in the, in the broadcast. Did you catch that? I, I missed it. Oh. Saxton is with Mustafa Ali. This was Ali's huge segment to go into what he called the biggest match of his career at Night of Champions. And he almost gets tongue-tied at the beginning. He's like, I know you think I'm going to say something positive, but I can't, I can't do this stupid fucking character. He says that I've been dreaming about this since I was a kid, and I've had failure after failure, and no one believes I can beat Gunther. And just as he's about to give this great speech, Lesnar storms past him and tells Ali, get a life, kid. <laughs> and then, okay, here's our multiple choice. Ali jumped this guy and said uh, it stood up to the bully and gave us all reasonable doubt that Gunther, maybe this guy's going to have his number. Or Ali just looked at the ground and let the big bully walk off. And we never heard from Ali again tonight. I mean, do you do you even have to ask? Honestly, um, no, I don't. So I mean, so they they are um, clearly trying to uh, at least get him away from the positive Ali character. Um, it looked like they were laying the groundwork for some sort of actual babyface turn. Now I get the sense they're more so setting up like uh, negative Ali. You know, a guy who <laughs> who just you know try like just can't can't win no matter what even when he tries to speak from the heart he gets interrupted by Brock Lesnar obviously somebody he's not going to get any semblance of revenge against so now he's just going to be a pessimist and he's just going to be just like I'm not going to win this you know I don't believe in myself and then maybe he'll actually win and then he'll still talk shitty about himself about that I don't I they're, they're trying to build something here um <laughs> we'll are they are they off. trying to build something here because I, I think he's gonna lose I don't think and i think he's gonna be right back to the positive uh, that is very it's it's very possible uh this but is I like just, a, this is a fever dream this week that he won this battle royal and so i ask why he even was the choice i, I watched I this segment i can't give you an answer why he won this other than he's just the guy for this two weeks why though of all the guys why this guy because they they don't want to beat bronson reed and they flip the coin between him and ricochet he won that's it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's 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 kind of fishy to be honest. Um, but we'll we'll see if this is leading to something else for Ali, or he's just a one week guy. Lesnar walks into the ring. So Hershey, what do you want to talk about? He says Cody won't be out tonight. He won't be fighting him at Night of Champions. So he issues an open challenge. Anyone can come out and challenge me for Night of Champions because I'm not giving up my Saudi payday. Cody comes out with his arm in a sling. The officials are trying to stop him. And they fight in the ring after Cody removes the sling and Brock goes insane. He applies the Kimura and he's screaming, fight me, fight. And this dude is just bugging out with this look on his face and cranks on the arm, then stomps the arm. And there was a light thank you Brock chant as this was happening. And Brock made his way to the back. So mm. there you go. If you, if you didn't believe the arm was broken before, now you're supposed to believe it's 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 fully broken. Yeah, I think Cody, like uh, Cody and Brock, have really great chemistry together because I, I mean, Brock is a fantastic heel, and Cody is like the, the type of babyface that you can actually cheer for, that you want, that you can under like believe will actually stand up to the bully. Um, 
But there's a danger here because they're making Brock look so cool with these sort of beatdowns, you know, and you kind of heard evidence of that with this crowd. Um, I think in the long run, Cody can definitely overcome it because his promo is strong enough and he's at this point still seems cool enough. Um, but a lesser babyface would not be able to escape like this ultra cool, like badass Brock Lesnar. Although I liked all of the segments tonight, I would have been curious, like the Paul Levesque Cody segment at the end of the show, if that exact dialogue happened in front of an arena, I think the audience would have like turned on that. I thought it was, and it made sense. It had to be in the locker room, but to me, it was like, you are, um, it, 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 it is. I think that to me was like, it was the most like heavy handed they got of like, Cody is just the, this Superman. Like he's Dom. That's it. And yeah. I don't know if the audience has maybe progressed past that. And they're all behind Cody in this, but uh, you, you could hear it was a very light chant, but you were starting to get like the, the positive Brock chant here, which is going to be natural when you do segments like this. I, I don't think it'd be an issue in Saudi Arabia. I mean, could be wrong, but I, I, I don't no. think Saudi would turn on Cody. Um, And again, I think Cody is like a strong enough promo that he, he, he won't succumb to like cool bit, cool heel. Alpha Academy against the Viking Raiders, a five-minute match where Maxine is with Gable and Otis in their corner. Uh, the ch- the crowd is chanting for Otis, so when he is tagged, they're very happy. He hits the Caterpillar and then misses Ibar in the corner. Gable's in. Eric stops a chaos theory to his partner. And then Maxine gets chased by Valhalla, and Gable knocks Ivar off the turnbuckle and uses an o- O'Connor roll to pin Eric in 453. They all celebrate. and. Do you follow Mansoir on Twitter? Yeah. Or no, I, I don't follow him, but I'm 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 aware of what he tweeted. Yeah. So tonight he put up like him deleting or blocking Maxine from his phone with Mad World playing over top of it. And as he's going into his phone, I really hope this was an elaborate thought out idea by Mansoir because it did include her phone number in this uh in this uh screenshot that he uh he put up here so i'm hoping that's not a legit number um that he he put up here uh well it's still up right now so oh jeez it's still up right now i would hope so myself i would 505 i think it's a new mexico area code i I would i would hope that he uh it's a a default number that he put in there and uh, thought i I hope i I don't think it would still be up this long if if it had been a a mistake right so anyway that's so uh, so that's what's going on with the maximum male models so is she still technically in or or was this like where are we not even going to mention that she's left the maximum male models yeah i think she's left them and you're not going to get any storyline resolution to that you're just not supposed to acknowledge that and now these guys are just writing their own stories on twitter and on their youtube show okay on their youtube show as well Anything else to add to this tag match and this drama involving nope. the maximum male models? No. Nope. Pierce races into Cody's locker room and he's kicked out. Cody does not want medical attention. He just wants yeah. to sit with a broken arm for another hour in Hershey. Oh, he wants to sit for another week, it sounds like, with that broken arm. I guess so. That's going to be a long flight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sheer and Jinder Mahal, they state the storm is here. So what happens next? I don't know. You tell us. Shinsuke Nakamura against Finn Balor. 
uh, they they mentioned the, the the history that these two have. And Priest pulls Nakamura to the floor. We go to the break. Nakamura fires back with a sliding German. Balor hits a sling blade. And then the Kinshasa is countered with a double stomp by Balor. Misses the coup de grace. And then there's a shot to the back of the head. Both men go down. Nakamura with a knee to the back and attacks Priest, sending him into the timekeeper's area. But then Balor hits a drop kick from behind, throws Nakamura into the ring, and wins with the coup de grace in 11 minutes and 20 seconds as they are keeping the judgment day very strong. Yeah, they are. Absolutely. I mean, you have somebody like a Nakamura who I, I feel like was coming in with a good amount of momentum and they were at least last week making look relatively strong. Was it last week that he got the win off, off the Miz? I don't remember. But um, they had him lose here. And I thought it was fine. Like Judgment Day, uh, Balor and Priest are being set up for a tag title match coming up and Nakamura can afford the loss. I thought this was a good match. You know, a stronger match from Nakamura than usual, in my opinion. Um, I thought his intensity was up the bit. Looked like he was working pretty hard here and, and delivering something that felt a bit more special than usual. He's got a bit more of um, an energy about him in this, since being moved to Raw. He's still he's still in that uh, that afterglow of the, uh, the Muda match from January. Maybe, maybe. They aired a replay of the injury to Liv Morgan with Dakota Kai delivering uh, the face wash into Liv Morgan's shoulder. Uh, So that is the injury. And they did mention here that Dakota Kai was injured as well in the same match, but did not state what the injury was. Uh, The Wrestling Observer is reporting a torn ACL for Dakota Kai. So if that is, in fact, the injury, that's a significant one. Um, That's like a six to nine month injury. An injury she got. It, like in the aftermath right. of the Liv Morgan injury. So, I mean, how awful, you know, like somebody gets injured, unfortunately, because of something that that was uh, in your wrestling match through, due to your move. And then in trying to help her, you end up getting hurt yourself. So just really kind of unfortunate all around. Yeah, just a, a slew of injuries uh, of late across the board. Raquel Rodriguez versus Sonia Deville. And they are asking who will Raquel pick to be her partner next week because it's the fatal four-way for the vacant titles. Crowd was very quiet at the start of this, and then DeVille landed a flying knee, and the crowd starts to boo DeVille and Green at this point. Rodriguez hits her twisting elbow and the Tahana bomb. A minute 54, she wins. So Green and DeVille stomp Raquel, and Shotzi, with her hall pass, runs down all the way from SmackDown to make the save and hits a suicide dive, diving through the legs of Raquel. And his best buds with Raquel. It's really all it takes, you know, really just kind of like say hi. And you could be Raquel Rodriguez's new tag partner. She really goes through them, you know, like I believe it. Was like, I say with like Zoe Stark, I was like the, the, the hurdles to get a title match in this company. They're sure. not exactly like, yeah. you know, I got to make a 12 month plan. No, but she's like in this, in, in what, like a year she's been with Aaliyah. Oh, I couldn't live Morgan and now Shotzi. We'll see if she, I mean, it, it might be a bad sign to be tag partners with Raquel. Could be a curse. Could be. You also do have, um, you know, I, I don't see them winning the, the tag titles, but if you keep them together, it's at least something for uh, Liv to come back and then we can have hmm. something there. Hmm. The referee is informing Adam Pierce that Cody is angry. Thanks for the update. Trish walks in and tells Pierce she wants to have a no-touch policy for the contract signing with Becky Lynch tonight. Pierce says, I don't see why we would need to have that. 
It's like, has this guy ever officiated a contract signing before? He doesn't think we need a no-touch policy. And Kevin Patrick notes, a no-touch policy? This isn't Canada's Got Talent. It's raw. I've never watched that show, but um, I I could imagine maybe a fight or two breaking out on Canada's Got Talent. It's not like America's Got Talent. Mandel and Lily Singh. And and Cardinal. Yeah, there you have it. That is is the Canada panel. Yeah. We just had a completely out of nowhere training feature on Matt Riddle where he says, this is my time and you can't afford to doubt me. He's also got a new shirt that reads, go for bro. You want it? You're going to get it? It felt like one of those videos that you, uh, you would see on Peacock. Peacock. Or, yeah. I t- totally. I thought that's what I thought. And then Kevin Patrick reacted to it after. So everyone. Yeah, obviously everyone saw this. It just it, it was it just such a there was I don't, no purpose to this. It was just a generalized training bit. I don't think it's always a, a bad idea to show some of those, um, especially like when a guy's coming back and he's relatively new from injury. So maybe this was the intent. You know, they needed a bit of a reset for Matt Riddle. Contract signing time. Becky comes out. She was wearing these glasses that were like hands over her eyes. Did you get a good look at these glasses? Yeah, they were like, you know, kind of like like this, but molded. Yeah. Kind of what cool. do you think cool. the wardrobe budget is for that husband and wife duo? Because I'll tell you, I, I don't mean, think WWE are buying all these outfits for them on a weekly basis. They They rarely wear the same things twice. Right. And they like these are... These look like expensive wardrobes that they have sure. for TV. I mean, the Mario shoes alone. Um, and how many times did he wear those? Once. Once, yeah. Well, okay, they, maybe they maybe they rent. Uh, or like the, maybe they'll they'll sell on eBay afterwards, you know, and say like <laughs> Seth Rollins worn Mario shoes, and they're probably increasing value. Um, so Becky's kind of gotten away from like the whole uh, what do you you know Seth Rollins look? What, what was her character before this? Um, big time or big what time do you call Bex. It? Yeah, she's kind of gotten away from that whole thing and, and was just kind of dressed like not with of, this outfit. I mean, yeah, this- she's gotten away until this week is when she kind of brought it back. And I think at this point it's fine. Like when she was going back to being a baby face, maybe you want to go back to your old look. But now that she's firmly established as a baby face, I think it's fine to like like Rollins is getting away with it. You know. We're dressing like a like an eccentric sort of more version, uh, more eccentric version of themselves. It's an interesting. Um, this is a total non sequitur, but um, John Nash, uh, who I interviewed not all that long ago, he went through the the SEC filings, the big four hundred and fifty page uh, release that WWE and uh, Endeavor put out, and went through. So last year, this is like the most solid financing we've seen of late with the UFC. Last year, you know what their profit was? Profit no. for the UFC. $387 million of profit. And mm-hmm. the fighter pay, like throughout the um, the whole Kung Lee suit, we've been seeing like the percentage of revenue paid out to fighters. It's r- around the 16 to 20% range. Last year, 13% is what they were at for wow. uh, fighter pay. So that is... Uh, your latest, but it's it's just mm. astronomical the money that UFC is making. Back to this, the contract signing. Trish comes out and she notes, "I couldn't believe this. This is her first contract signing." Mm-hmm. Well, her point was that um, women weren't getting these sort of segments. In the I past. guess not. I 
the contract signings like were that i guess that was the domain of the men for her period I just... not in the not a, yeah like we're talking about the pre-modern era john okay because the, the prehistoric ages really I, I do remember a super progressive segment where going into a WrestleMania, she beat down Christy Hemi and like spray painted slut across her. That was as hmm. close as they got to a contract signing during okay. that period. Right. Hmm. So after that, Trish notes her first contract signing and asks Graves, what city are we in? And she is alerted of Hershey and says that Becky has had so many contract signings because of me. And it's because of me that you could stop doing an Irish jig in some dump of a restaurant. And I am still number one. And what are you going to do, Becky, when you lose on Saturday? Go back into your dark hole again. And Becky's biggest problem is herself. And this is my first contract signing. But Becky, this is going to be your last contract signing. Could you imagine having that taken away from you? Your last contract (laughs) signing. Um, you know, Trish had to deal with like the what chance, which are just so aggravating here. But she just like, I think most of these performers are pretty equipped now to just storm through them. But they were pretty audible here. And Becky gets the last word. She says Trish is the one that is scared. And I want you healthy at Night of Champions. I'm not going to touch you. And you just think history is forgetting about you. Everyone's getting better. But you, Trish, are staying the same. And I'm going to say thank you, Trish. Thank you for being everything I hope to never become. You are vapid. I'm passionate. I'm it. You're not. But they were going to play tag here and said that I've had a career that you could only dream about, Trish. And if you thought barking like a dog was bad, wait until I whip your ass. Welcome to the big time, bitch. Woof, woof. In the Mm -hmm. words of Hugo. Hugo. Succession. Oh, yes. Woof, woof. Okay, got it. That Hugo, right? Uh, I thought this was a really good contract signing. I like this. I thought both yeah. promos were very good. Like Trish had to deal with like some of the catcalls and stuff, but I thought this was a great promo from Trish and a really great response from from Becky. I think like they they put a lot of uh, emphasis on this match for Saturday. I thought both did very well. I thought Trish sounded the most like her old heel self in this promo. She sounded more comfortable than she has in prior weeks. She came across like, like, you know, good cocky, like devilish. Um, That energy I felt was there. And I thought she had some pretty good lines retorting Becky's promo last week that might've been lost on the live crowd. But if you're watching like from home, you could clearly hear the words. And if you remember the promo from last week, you would say, wow, that was like, you know, a good response to, uh, Becky putting a face on, you know, all of her, her demons, for instance. And then Becky came out and just, I thought, did even better. Like, Becky came out and delivered a promo from somebody who is still very clearly in their prime on the microphone. Um, both of them, I thought, did a really good job of playing off of significant moments from each other's history. Trish saying she didn't need to get her nose broken in order to become a star. Uh, right, Becky- she had that line. Becky making fun of the dog barking, which, you know, at this point is a 20 year old segment, but that's the type of shit that stays with somebody's career forever. Do you think they should have shown the clip for people that are not uh, familiar with that? Uh, show Vince they, McMahon they making a woman strip and bark like a dog? <laughs> a Do you think good... they needed that context? Well, the question is for whether or not it would be shown in the video package, okay, when they recap this promo, either on Friday or on the kickoff show. Um, I don't know. You can make Saudi like this is like for, for people about- that forget about this segment that maybe we're not watching around 2001. Like think of how many like awful 
segments they portrayed women in during that time that one got so much blowback like it yeah. was and actually and i mean granted like she was with the company and such but i mean even years later like trish always defended that segment because of where it was going to lead to but man there was just so much negativity and it was really uncomfortable to watch yeah um considering this is a show taking place in a place where um i, I would say you should probably be a bit, bit bit more sensitive about like um perception w- with regards to women's uh rights and women appearing on your tv show i'm guessing they don't show this clip i wonder if they even make reference to this clip in the video package but it's worth bringing up like i thought it was like good. remember ammunition. one of those first shows in 2018 they showed like a video with like one of the like just with it was like a promo package or something with like the women, like with their skin being shown and they put out an apology. So yeah, I don't think we're going to see Trish like in a brawn panties barking in a, right. a, a video yeah. package. Yeah. I, th- I thought, I, I kind of feel like the feud has been a little flat thus far. We haven't had uh, so much interaction really between these two, but we got it here. We got them both on the microphone delivering, I think very solid promo. So tonight on the go home show, I felt like they, they definitely took it up the notch. Um, I almost kind of want this feud to kind of continue after Night of Champions. I can't see it being a one-match program. Yeah, because I feel like they're just starting to get to the level where maybe they should be. Um, but hey, man, uh, like what? You think Money in the Bank for a rematch for these two? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I possible. can see this being extended. Mm-hmm. Stipulation? Loser has to... Bark? No. A wolf-wolf match. Dog-collar match, maybe. Yeah, okay. They no, can. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure we can have some 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 London integration into such a match. Maybe they'll get a presenting sponsor from. Uh, I don't know. I thought you. Okay, I, thought you I had nothing. That. I had nothing. Okay. Pierce is on the phone talking about Cody. We don't know who he's talking to, and he won't allow any medical attention. I'm at a loss. So Pierce is calling in the big gun. Who we would lead to uh, our final segment of the night saxon catches up with the best buds raquel and shotzi shotzi has always respected raquel i've got your back raquel says aren't you on smackdown raquel has her back too and you're going to be my tag partner next week way too trusting i thought of raquel but that's that's who she's got who else was she who is she gonna have like you you had a week to get ready and you had you did not have a well, what's yet? Aaliyah doing what's her old partner doing uh not teaming with her I feel like this is going to end up, to, you know, in some sort of like um dating game show where like all of Raquel's exes are lined up and, and you know, just kind of talk about how, how she just kind of uses her tag team partner so quickly and just moves on. Yeah. You know, she puts the ex in uh, Tejana. Very good. Dominic Mysterio against Apollo Crews, a match I never thought I would see. But here we are. And Graves says, uh, he quoted Nas here to explain the audience's rejection of Dominic. Uh, I don't have the lyrics in front of me, way, but I'm sure they were relevant. Hmm. Crews gets knocked off balance. Then Dominic misses the 619. They go to the floor and uh, Ripley stands in front of Cruz. And this leads to Dom sending Cruz into the steps. And behind the referee's back, Ripley drills Apollo into the post and he makes it in at the count of nine. But as he dives in to break the count, boom, Dominic hits the frog splash and pins Apollo in five minutes and two seconds. Man, Apollo is, I mean, like you said, John, they're putting a lot behind the judgment day. And Apollo, much like Shinsuke Nakamura, a guy who really is just kind of like fresh, made a fresh return. And I really do question, especially in the case of Apollo Cruz, 
whether or not he should have taken this loss this quickly. Isn't this his first singles match back? On Raw, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what does this mean? (laughs) This means that Apollo Crews is in the position just quicker than we expected. Yeah. Yeah. Video on AJ Styles. This was interesting. Like they they showed clips of him right near the the dying days of WCW. We saw him on the cover of Weekly Pro Wrestling with the IWGP title. We even had a a, a TNA still uh, with Daniels and them holding him up. And then we get into the major leagues, the big time uh, WWE highlights and beating Jinder Mahal. Um, I, listen, for they're pretty much just. They didn't have AJ, and really they didn't have Seth in the building, but he was mm-hmm. all over the show. I thought this was as effective of a job as you could make for this match that I think people are interested in the match, even if this title, I think it needs a lot of work. But Seth Rollins is sort of that's his whole thing is that I am going to make this an incredible title run. And I think they're going to just put this guy to like the grindstone of like weekly matches and you know, you get a Rollins TV match every week. I think they're going to go overboard to have the contrast to Reigns on the other show. Right. Yeah. I mean, and they're clearly setting up a future match between Rollins and Reigns already, you know, as the guy who defends a lot versus the guy who doesn't defend at all. Uh, and I, I, I think you can only achieve something like that through this sort of like interview setting. And, and they've given him a lot more airtime than he probably would have had if he was just doing, you know, in-person promos and probably would have gotten to a lot more interesting <laughs> he has dropped that has he has he not um i i guess he has at least he did right. tonight and last week in the sit down setting i don't know how long but, it's been absent but this was great use of these sit down settings to really kind of get into the character to tell you what he's about i only wish that they did the same for aj on smackdown because right now it feels like it's so weighted towards Rollins winning that it, it it's taken well, away we, a lot we, of my we've suspense. got Friday we've got Friday maybe but they, they would have started last week you know to 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 balance things yeah uh, no I agree like AJ certainly does feel like the you know he's the opponent for... and this was a great opportunity to reintroduce an AJ Styles to an audience yeah he was asked I think it was the New York Post about this title being secondary. And it was like, he didn't really have like a great defense. Like he was, I don't know if he was not ready for that answer, but he was like, well, uh, I mean, how can, <laughs> how can you not view it as secondary? I mean, oh, it was God. just like, Uh-oh. okay, AJ, it's, it was a value. We got Twitch I, AJ. We did get Twitch AJ. Oh, no. um, the last part of Rollins interview, he just says, it's time for a change. I was never pegged to be the guy. So that made me work harder. And then we got a bunch of childhood videos and this has always been my dream, and it's our chance with this title to do something special, and I want to create something legendary. So, I mean, all but just uh, rolling out the carpet towards this guy's uh, title coronation. Could there, be, could there be a swerve? Um, there could always be one, but man, this title, it needs everything it can get, and putting it on AJ above Seth, uh, to me, is just more of a head-scratcher. Yeah, same. Which would be consistent with some of these uh, pay-per-view yeah. uh, outcomes. So, uh-huh. I mean, sure, let's let's put the third title on the SmackDown <laughs> guy on Reigns' show. Why not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. And then we'll create a fourth title. Next week, Raw is in Albany. We have the four-way for the vacant women's tag titles and qualifying matches begin for Money in the Bank, which is not until July. But they are starting off early. Imperium against Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Matt Riddle is the main event. They had the advantage on Riddle early on, and Owens gets booted, and 
they make the tag to Owens, who is called the inspirational prize fighter by Kevin Patrick. And the inspiration that Kevin Owens exuded was doing a suck it before hitting the cannonball to Giovanni Vinci. Graves says that fighting Imperium is like fighting Hydra. They go to the second commercial break. Gunther rocks Zane with these brutal chops and then gets hit with the blue thunder bomb. Save is made. Haluba kick to Gunther is stopped when Gunther applies a rear naked choke, but that's broken up by Riddle with the floating bro. Riddle again tosses Gunther over the desk. Kaiser is sent to the floor and Vinci hits a running clothesline to Zane and then goes for another one. And Zane runs out of the corner with a Haluba kick that connects, followed by the swan dive from Kevin Owens to pin Vinci in 15 minutes and 20 seconds. I thought a really, really entertaining six-man tag. Uh, Owens and Zane, they are the MVPs at this point on both shows where they have to go out and do like these 15-minute main events on most shows twice a week. And mm-hmm. it's always consistent and they are very much being relied upon. But a fun six-man. I thought this was the uh, the match of the show. Especially in the absence of a Seth Rollins, you know, having like a great work rate match in, for your main event in the form of these tag team titles is, I mean, a wonderful role uh, that you could really, you know, trust Rollins and, and and Kevin Owens. Sorry, sorry, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and Riddle and and Imperium um, with. So what does this mean? Like the the pact that Imperium made with the Bloodline kind of failed. Yeah, is they didn't take means? care of the Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Matt Riddle problem. I was a little disappointed that they didn't really follow up on those connections a little bit more. Like you had Paul Heyman on this show earlier, make really no mention about the association between the bloodline and Imperium. I thought last week was so great because I thought it gave Imperium a level of relevance, you know, for a, a new faction on raw to be attached to the bloodline this week, they felt incredibly separate. And, you know, were there any repercussions of, uh, thanks to this loss um, for Imperium from Paul Heyman or, or Roman Reigns, nor any hinted at, yeah, like also again, the like I mentioned, the thing with Xavier Woods and Dominic that seemed to be completely dropped. Um, yeah, it just kind of makes you wonder, you know, where things change week to week, or is it just something that they're delaying because you you got to go home show tonight? Tonight, I wonder sure. if it's a question too of some of the people that are not booked for this pay per view right. that were absent from tonight. Like you didn't have the Miz on tonight's show, you didn't mm-hmm. have you know several people that maybe it was just a lighter um, number of people booked for the show because they're not being flown over to. Uh, Saudi Arabia but yeah the, the Heyman thing was weird I would have liked a bit more like at least if you kind of attach him subtly to Imperium mm-hmm. it gives him a reason to show up on this show like he is somehow attached informally with Imperium yep. and there was none of that no cutaways to the back no him watching or reacting after the match yeah. it was a very odd use or no use of Paul you kind of lose the, the attachment between tonight's main event to the main event that's coming up on Saturday Sunday? Saturday. Saturday, yes. But the final segment was reserved for the locker room where Cody is there. He kicked out everyone except for the cameraman. He was willing to allow him in. So now there's an invisible camera where he was before it was, there was not. You're right. There was an invisible camera here. Maybe this is uh, Brandon. Um, we, we don't know. We can't, we can't confirm nor deny mm. that it was him. In walks Uncle Paul, and he has come in to assess the damage. And Cody says, I don't want any medical attention. Paul says, I know it's broken by just looking at it. And so do you. You're just scared. Scared? I'm not scared. And Paul tells him, I know how tough you are, mentioning hell in a cell with the torn peck. Think about the year you lost. Cody was going to 
give this guy a calendar to tell him what June to January actually was. <laughs> uh, Cody said it would be even worse if I if I was a coward and didn't go to Night of Champions. Hunter, what would you do? You would fight. So I'm going to Night of Champions to fight Brock Lesnar. And uh, Chief Medical Officer Paul mm-hmm. Levesque gets up and says, all right, F it. I mean, we're in Hershey, Pennsylvania. So that was uh, not exactly the best uh, state oversight, if you remember. This was the uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania. This was, this was the home of uh, Dr. George Zahorian. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Yeah, that's a cameo we uh, didn't get. Uh, yeah on this show. um he was not on this show but yeah paul <laughs> just pretty much said yeah yeah sure go go with your broken arm and uh yeah. have at it yeah uh get on the long flight you know um endure the the rest of the few weeks uh, yeah i mean whatever it's storyline I, they... I i joke but i i thought these were very good segments throughout the show and i i liked how they they use like this this to me was like a worthwhile brock lesnar booked raw where yeah you get very little out of him but this was a show where they had the show long storyline from segment one to the final segment of the night and multiple in between i mean to to me coming out of this this is what felt like the main event is cody and brock after this show agreed agreed certainly like you know um there are no stakes well the only stakes attached to the uh what is it tag team match is uh can roman hold every single championship can roman you know ice uh another division um, that sort of is the appeal. I, I could still see them putting that in the main event, but um, at least stakes for this one is can Cody ice his arm? <laughs> That's it. Afterwards, I really like this closing segment here. Uh, to my knowledge, is this not the first on-screen appearance with, with uh, Triple H and, and Cody since he's come back? Um, they had. Did they not have some interaction? Like on on TV, I'm trying to think like why they would. Chat room, let us know because. I don't know. And either way, it might, like, it might be, it might be either way. It feels like it's a big deal when, when you see these two together, especially since, uh, you know, Cody is very much coming from AEW where we all remember his interactions subtly with triple H via the throne, um, you know, pedigree teasing, which he's continued to adopt and do throughout his matches here. So finally seeing him with his idol, God, Triple H in the backstage area I felt like it was a significant moment, especially because it was Cody on the other side. Um, and uh, yeah, they, I, I mean, they're setting up quite the story for a match for Cody on Saturday. Yeah. And I mean, they have, I mean, you, you either do the, the, like the redo of Seth last year where it's like, he's got this debilitating injury, but he pulls one out or you, you can get the rubber match out of this. And this is, all the reason in the world that you've given it out that Brock can win this match. And then you do the blow off at money in the bank or whenever like that, that would seem to be, you come back with it with some big stipulation in five, six weeks. Right. It doesn't necessarily telegraph the outcome of this match. You're not automatically expecting the baby face to pull through. And it keeps Cody away from that money in the bank ladder match. And that's sort of the, the right. game they're playing is trying to keep Cody away from this title as long as possible. And getting a third match out of Brock would do that for London. Right. Yeah, absolutely. When is Hell in a Cell coming up? Hell in is a Cell is no longer a pay-per-view. So okay. it's only when they announce it. That is... I wonder if they would do that for a third match. You know, I think that the next time you have a big Cody match, like Cody's... Like the Hell in a Cell is now going to bring back everyone's memories to mm-hmm. the Seth Rollins match. So when you are ready to do it again, when you have the reason to do it, and, and maybe the Brock match is it. 
Could be. That, that might be a SummerSlam thing, but yeah, we'll see. That was Raw, a um, I would say a pretty good build for Night of Champions on on Saturday between the uh, the key matches, and I would say the main event was definitely the strongest match on the show, the six man. I also really like the contract signing with Trish and Lita, or sorry, Trish and uh, uh, Becky Lynch. So, would recommend that as well. Mustafa Ali, great oh, highlight. Yeah, yeah, tons. Very uh, very heated segment with him and Gunther. Hmm. So that was raw. We will open it up now. If you want to get any of your super chats in, you're welcome to do so. And forum.postwrestling.com. We will also mention that in addition to uh, uh, doing a show after Night of Champions, uh, myself and Brandon Thurston will be chatting with uh, Kareem Zidane, who is a uh, terrific journalist at uh, Bloody Elbow. He has launched his own uh, Substack recently. He will be joining us Friday at 1 Eastern here on the Post YouTube channel, and we will be discussing... Um, we're going to kind of go into like the, the the politics of these shows and the history of this 10 year deal, which we are now over five years into um, its existence since they signed this 10 year deal in 2018. So we will discuss a lot of those uh, different aspects uh, coming up uh, Friday. Uh, so we had Kareem on like way back mm-hmm. um, and uh, he was a fantastic guest with far more knowledgeable about um, like Middle Eastern politics than you and I. Um, so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to your yours and Brandon's chat with him. So, uh, Shall we go to a super chat here? This one comes to us from Rob McDonald, who since 550. Thank you very much, Rob. He says, you guys know me as the Impact Cameraman, but I also shot the Olympics for NBC last year, and tonight we won an Emmy. Whoa. I'm celebrating with JD and watching Rwanda Raw. Wow. Wow. Well, congratulations. Emmy award-winning Rob McDonald, which is how we will now forever identify him when he sends in a super chat. Well, congratulations to you and your team, Rob. I did not know that he uh, he shot the Olympics as well. I got to meet Rob at the um, at the Impact pay-per-view in April at the Rebel. Well, very impressive. Um, in, in, enjoy, and what a way to celebrate with some JD and RAR. Well, congratulations. What, what did you think of uh, J.R. Ewing? I had a great time with J.R. Ewing on Sunday in the backyard. Yes. It, it, it lived up to the hype and and made even better uh, in the company of Dan the Mouth of Ransky, who um, I, I think should be a spokesperson for J.R. Ewing bourbon. When he likes something, he he puts it over. Way was a fantastic host, by the way. Oh, you guys were great guests. I had a great time. Um, and I don't like it was kind of strange because like I don't I haven't really had too many people over like since I you know like since the pandemic really. So, um, but it was lovely. Like I had a great time with you guys. WHBDE, Mike, uh, the party and- machine, Oscar. Yes, yes, that too. That baby's the best. Just like <laughs> looks like he's just taking it all in. I'm, I'm sure you've baby. seen all all sides of him, but it seems like such a calm baby. For the most part, yeah. Like almost like so calm that like we 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 like we like we we want him to feel a little bit of uneasiness in the in the arms of strangers, at least eventually, I hope. It is so. definitely your child. Like just calm <laughs> to a fault. Like just yeah. like his there's nothing in the world that's gonna like he's just like chilling out. <laughs> WH is holding him. Like that was a WH is great. It's he's like he's he he he's kind of told us that he would be and it's it's no lie he's very good with children so I I recommend WH to babysit Uncle job. Park Uncle Park yeah well let's go uh, we'll hear from Muggin here who says the Lesnar Road segments provided a nice through line and the closing segment with Triple H tr- trying to reason with Cody and bringing up the torn peck in the cell cast some doubt over whether he'll lose on Saturday 
Strong wrestling throughout the night, Dominic continues to play a good punk-ass heel. Becky Lynch outshined Trish on the mic, and calling back to the barking segment was a gun-to-a-knife-fight vicious. I hope Ludwig and Vinci get treated more than just Gunther's henchmen going forward. I mean, they're sort of there for those roles, but I don't think either of them are complaining about the roles that they have on, on Raw. It's... Uh... They are featured like it's and it's a they're definitely worse roles and I can see them like getting eventual pushes off on their own. I remember when when the two were called up and Vinci was just left for nothing in NXT. They had to rebrand him. He had a new Damian Eichner to Giovanni Vinci, the the model. Yeah, yeah, he would have been uh, if he had that gimmick for that much longer, he might have been called up as a maybe a maximum male model. I mean, it's not at all crazy to have imagined like he would have been part of that act and instead you know you're in the the top heel group well, i'll say the second heel group behind judgment day on Raw. and he gained that cool beard that's that that is true as well yeah. so I, i'm sure they're not uh, too upset with their their placement on raw lots to come this week the wellness policy tuesday at 3 p.m eastern time check that out with way neil and jordan goodman up next, we'll be live on Tuesday night at 10.15 Eastern. And coming up on NXT, we have got the semifinals of the women's title tournament, Roxanne Perez against Tiffany Stratton and Lyra Valkyria against Cora Jade. Hank Walker takes on Tank Ledger, the match everyone's been counting down, the two buds who are going to have at it. Uh, and then we have uh, Tyler Bate against Eddie Thorpe. And uh, Noam Dar in action as well on Wednesday. Or, sorry, on Tuesday. Wednesday is Dynamite in Las Vegas, headlined by Tony Khan's announcement of where is Collision going to be? Where in the world will Collision take place on June 17th? The Lucha Brothers take on Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta for the ROH tag titles. House of Black have a open house rules match against AR Fox, Metalik, and Blake Christian for the trios titles. Taya Valkyrie. That's right. We get Lyra Valkyria and Taya Valkyrie over the next two nights. Uh, Taya takes on Lady Frost. Orange Cassidy against Kyle Fletcher for the international title. The contract signing between Chris Jericho and Adam Cole. And we will hear from FTR, Ricky Starks, and we will hear from the four pillars. Move over, Excalibur. Don't need That's a lot of stuff happening on on Dynamite on Wednesday night. So there you have it. We are all out of time. Thanks for tuning in. Way, what should we mention at the end? How about a little event called the Forbidden Poor Sunday, June 25th. You know, I I get the sense, John, you're being very cautious about how often you mention these because I don't think you you want to inundate our audience with this news. So I will go ahead. Sunday, June 25th, AEW Forbidden Door, our pre and after party. If you're headed to Toronto for Forbidden Door, we will be doing shows right before and right afterwards, including wrestling karaoke, trivia prizes, a live edition of Ask Away with me and John, wrestling-themed cocktails, okay? Um, Dr. Portman is busy in the lab coming up with the menu uh, for the, the, the drink menu. For the Forbidden Poor, I can only imagine what uh, Davey Portman is going to put together. I promise they will be delicious and very punfully named. Yes, yes, yes. Postwrestling.com slash live for tickets. Thank you to everybody who's already purchased one. Yes, we've uh, we've sold quite a few tickets, and we hope to see many of you on, on June 25th. And uh, 
all 1600 that attend collision the night before you're welcome to come back on on the sunday at three and join us and the 30 dollar ticket it gives you access to both the pre-show and the after party uh just your ticket covers you for the whole day and we hope to see many of you out there including any emmy award winners out there i believe rob is coming so you you could see maybe maybe we can uh coax him into bringing the emmy with us with bring it up for karaoke why not that's that's a, that's a move uh, to mm-hmm. go up there for karaoke with. All right. That's it for us. We'll speak with you Wednesday following Dynamite. Good night.